0: Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives. I'm your host, Kevin Green. Today, we have industry experts with the insights and perspectives on the latest cybersecurity news, that impacts, your agency, and organization. Today, we have Tony Cole, VP Global Government CTO at FireEye. Good day, Tony. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you today, Kevin?
0: Doing great. It's good to have you on Cybersecurity Insights Perspectives. I think we have a lot of interesting things to discuss.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate you inviting me and uh, look forward to the conversation. Great way to start the long weekend.
0: Absolutely. Hey, I want to talk to you initially uh, off the top about the M-Trends report for 2016. I know a lot has been categorized uh, from the landscape as a year of the disruptive breaches and indicated that there were new lessons learned regarding defense and response. What are some of those lessons learned? And the second part of that question is, where do you see the most progress being made?
1: Well, I will tell you, Kevin, it was certainly an interesting report this year. So our team put a lot of effort into that, and, and I always want to throw the disclaimer out there. This is based on uh, our Mandiant, our services arm of fire, our data you know, from our services that we actually provided to our customers so being you know uh, incident response compromise risk assessments and, and such so so uh but on to your question you know uh, some of the lessons learned that really that we saw over the last year was you know what uh, number one you know confirm there really is a breach you know quite often uh you know people are not sure that they've actually been compromised or not so it's something that that needs to be confirmed right off the top is there really a breach so especially in ransomware cases where someone may have actually uh, pretended to breach an environment simply to see if they could actually extract uh, ransomware. Maybe they found publicly available information and published that pretending that, uh, you know, they stole it. Number two probably is uh, remembering that you're dealing with a human adversary. That's very, very important, and a lot of people tend to actually treat the problem just as a technical issue and forget that there's actually an individual behind that. So that has emotions, it can get upset. Uh, If they have access to your system and they're, you know, uh, demanding a ransom, they could potentially go through and actually further disrupt your environment if you get them angry. So it's important to think about that right up front. Uh, Number three, timing is critical. You know, very important. You know, uh, you want to operate in a very meaningful manner, but as quickly as possible because time is against you, especially in a ransomware case. Uh, Stay focused. You know, it's also easy to get uh, off on tangents and pulled off tasks, so you always wanna make sure that anything that you're working on is focused specifically on detecting, you know, uh, responding to or containing an attack, you know, when you're in the middle of it. Uh, Carefully evaluate whether the, uh, to engage the attacker or not, you know, and it's uh, important to seek expert advice in that. So do you want to actually respond to uh, emails, text, you know, or public, you know, uh outings on Payspin and other places? So think about that carefully and engage experts. And again, number six, engage the experts before a breach. That one's really important. Quite often will get called and uh, people want uh, incident response expertise on site immediately and they have no contracts in place. Uh, They don't know who their law enforcement uh, representatives are that can provide assistance to them. It's really important to get engaged early on in that. Uh, Number seven, consider all options when asked to uh, pay a ransom. You know, do you want to pay the ransom? Uh, If you do pay the ransom, you know, will the adversary uh, just actually publish the data anyway? Will they actually unlock a system that's locked if they're using ransomware? So a lot of things to think about there. And again, engage experts on it. Uh, Number eight. Very, very important, you know, and one we've been touting for years, and that's ensures uh, strong segmentation and controls over your backups. Um, you know, quite often you could recover quickly from, uh, from a compromise, you know, especially a disruption to your environment if you've got good backups that are segmented and, uh, you know, the ax- uh, attacker doesn't have access to those backups. So very, very important. Number nine, uh, after the incident's been handled, focus on broader security improvements. Any lessons learned, you know, work on those very, very quickly. So in number 10, the last one, you know, that we've also touted for a number of years is if you kick them out, they will return. They'll try to come in a different way. Be prepared for that. So, and make sure, again, those lessons learned, learned are incorporated and you're actually doing the right things to ensure the next breach, when it does happen, you know, will cause minimal damage.
0: Tony, I like how you frame those lessons learned in the top ten. That's that's kind of awesome.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. So, but it's, uh, it's our services team that really does all that hard work for us. Oh, and you ask uh, where do you see the most progress being made? Yes, and uh, I would say that's definitely on the uh, on the identification of breaches. We're getting better every single year. Uh, this year, we're down to 146 days of dwell time, and uh, you know we categorize that as from the time an incident takes place where someone's compromised to when the, uh, uh, breach is identified. We're now down to 146 days. Now, sadly, still 53% of the time though, you know, those breaches are actually, uh, identified by an external entity. It's not by the organization that was breached. So, um, uh, so we've got to get better at actually identifying the breaches ourselves and we've got to make sure that, uh, you know, we actually shrink that dwell time. In fact, related to that, uh, when we do red teaming operations, uh, quite frequently, uh, on average, we're about three days from our initial compromise to getting domain credentials. So you think about 146 days, that's 143 days too long you know, for us to actually have access to an environment. Uh, and that goes the same for an adversary uh, if they're pretty good. We want to actually cut that down really to minutes.
0: From the R&D side, I'm seeing more and more integration of point solutions where organizations are leveraging some type of orchestration layer to build better enterprise situation awareness. Why do you think that's the case and how has this shaped or reshaped FireEye strategies?
1: I think if you look out there at uh, security operations teams, you know, around the globe, you know, the biggest challenge most of them have today is actually trying to sift through, you know, the the myriad, you know, sometimes in some cases millions of alerts, and trying to actually find what are the alerts that actually matter to them. Uh, this is actually, you know, uh, even worse today, where these alerts are not coming in uh, typically into a single pane of glass. They're coming into multiple different systems out there, you know, from uh, different point solutions. So the Holy Grail really you know for a lot of these security operations centers are is trying to actually integrate all these point products together and present you know uh to your really good individuals the alerts that matter that they're investigating so orchestration is a way to you know tie all these pieces together and actually put courses of action in place you know so that you can actually respond to you know those attacks that uh are coming in that may be important, but nevertheless, you can quickly validate and deal with in an automated fashion. So you can put automation together from multiple products with orchestration to actually filter out all of those. This is a false positive, don't care. Uh, This is a false negative, we have to investigate this. This is uh, a spam that went through, it was never validated, but let's add them to a block list, things along that line. So how has that changed our strategy? Well, we actually went out and bought a company named Invitas So and have rolled out a security orchestration tool allowing uh, ourselves and we just actually announced uh, multiple uh, partner organizations. So where we can actually tie all of these products together and provide an orchestration level, you know, for these different uh, point products into a, a security operations team's environment.
0: Tony, what do you think are some of the major threats the government face?
1: Yeah, I, I would tell you that one's a very interesting. You know, uh, some of their biggest challenges they have today uh, is the fact that they're dealing with a lot of legacy equipment. So a lot of legacy equipment. So many of them are, you know, outdated operating systems and applications that they're actually paying, you know, some, uh, some vendors to still provide patches for where, um, you know, corporations have taken those out of their environment. That's a, a major challenge and makes it easier for hackers today. You know, since those are long... Uh, long in the tooth operating systems and applications that uh, have been well studied and vulnerabilities well documented. So that's an issue. You know, they they need to get their environments updated. And you're probably aware there's uh, an initiative underway for I think it's $3.1 billion uh, IT modernization fund just for the US government. The UK government, you know, was uh, laying out 1.9 billion British pound sterling, you know, over the next five years for modernization there, for a new uh, National Cyber Security Center, so and a number of other initiatives, too. So I think we're going to continue to see you know, a lot of challenges for for the U.S. government and its counterparts around the globe. Here, we're seeing the massive exodus because industry pulls them away, so something that's more exciting. Uh, we're seeing another mass exodus out of the U.S. federal government, IT and cybersecurity workers because Many of them came in at the same time and they're reaching retirement age. So uh, there's, there's gonna be a lot of challenges in that space. And they also have a massive enterprise that they're actually trying to maintain. Uh, and the last piece I will lay out is policy is not keeping pace. So with the adversaries evolving techniques and uh, tools and processes that they're using to actually compromise systems, they're way behind on that, they're trying to catch up, but it's gonna be an enormous effort. And Kevin, one last piece I'd like to add to that is we also have many CISOs that uh, don't actually own the budget or completely control an environment that they're supposedly responsible for, and I think that's a major issue, and it's something that uh, that uh, the secretaries of, of every department out there need to look at, so and ascertain whether or not their CISOs are enabled to actually protect their entire environment. So, so those are some of the challenges I see today. How are you working
0: within the federal space to help bring awareness to these issues?
1: So we do a lot of work across the board with uh, with NIST, with uh, major working groups. Uh, I personally serve on the uh, Federal Communications Commission's CSRIC Council for uh, Telecommunications. Uh, we we serve on the, our CEO serves on the uh, president's in stack. So uh, we do a lot of work in this space to help bring awareness and actually help try to advise them on uh, ways they should move forward with different policies to ensure, you know, that uh, they're looking at all of the shifting adversaries, evolving tactics. So, for instance, uh, we recommended, you know, NIST actually do updates to the uh, the framework, the 800-53, uh, a number of different things that influence policy across many, many organizations in the federal space. Tony,
0: what can we expect from FI for the remainder of this year, and the beginning of 2017?
1: Well, I think you're going to continue to see us talk more and more about uh, intelligence-led security, and I think that's critically important. You know, what's very, very interesting today that we see so many individuals uh, continue to tout uh, cyber threat intelligence, and they're really talking about hashes and and files and, uh, you know, uh, indicators of compromise. But they're not talking like they should be, you know, about the adversary. Who's targeting them? Why are they targeting them? Uh, once you know who's targeting you, do you actually know, you know, uh, what their TTPs are for those, uh, those adversaries so that you can look in your environments and find other indicators of compromise? So we're going to continue to focus on intelligence led security where the intelligence, you know, from a pre attack phase where we're actually out there at the attacker's table. So monitoring them and actually feeding that intelligence back into an automated system. And we're also you know, going to actually continue to take the incident response data we get, uh, the compromise readiness assessment data we get and roll that into our automated solutions as well. So really intelligence across the board from, uh, you know, from both sides of our services pieces back into our platform to make sure that we're, you know, aware of uh, threats sometimes before they actually even, you know, come to fruition. And we're gonna focus on that for, for the long long term, well past 2017.
0: Tony, it's been great talking to you. Do you have any parting shots?
1: Uh, you know, I think probably my last parting shot would simply be, you know, uh, for everybody to, to think about the fact that breaches really are inevitable. You know, uh, if somebody tells you that detection's going to, uh, prevention is going to work on a continuous basis, uh, it will fall down here and there. So we just need to accept that fact and make sure that uh, we're doing everything we can, you know, to mitigate the impact from uh, the breach when it does happen. And Kevin, I thank you very much for your time today.
0: Tony, it's been a pleasure. Good talking to you.
1: Good talking to you as well. Thank you.
0: Wow, I think we have to wrap it up here. We want to thank our guest today, Tony Cole. We also want to thank our listeners for tuning into Cybersecurity Insights and Perspectives on FedScoot Radio with your host, Kevin Green. Until next time, peace.